very good morning. It is Money Talk with James Ross. It's 17 minutes past eight and we're joined by our guests uh, this hour. And they are Andrew Sullivan, the founder of Asian Market Sense, and Patrick Chang, who is Chief Investment Officer, Equities Southeast Asia at Principal Asset Management. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, nice to have you both on the show. And I guess uh, lots of things in focus this week, particularly the meeting between President Xi and President Biden. Andrew, what are your thoughts on that? Is it going to make a big difference, um, particularly uh, on the uh, trade side? I doubt it. I mean, I think it's been a warm up. And obviously, the US has already said that it's looking at uh, military communications as being its prime objective there. But it's obviously a step in the right direction to uh, uh, thawing of relations between the US and China. So that's important. Patrick, is that something that you're watching this week? Uh, Obviously, yeah, but um, I'm not expecting much as well. I mean, you know, is anything economically significant at all likely to come out of it, do you think? Um... I don't think so, but I think, you know, the, the message from both parties will be about stability, especially in light of what's happened in the Middle East. So I think, you know, both parties from both US and China need to sit down and, 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 and kind of ingrain that uh, sense of uh, stability across the region as well as globally. Andrew, just looking at some of the China data that's coming out this week, is that going to give us a bit of an indication of uh, where the Chinese economy is going? Oh, I think certainly. I mean, we're waiting for the loans data, which is obviously a very key indicator for demand as far as business confidence goes. Uh, and also, I mean, we've got you know retail sales, industrial production and unemployment. All of those are going to be key uh, items for people to watch. Uh, but I, I'm not really expecting anything too significant. But I mean, people will be watching for the trend coming through. Patrick, anything particular around China that you're looking at at the moment? What's your outlook? Um, we're a bit more cautious on China, obviously, uh, in light of uh, the weak uh, macro data. But I think uh, from a cyclical point of view, between now and first quarter, we do expect that, you know, equities being uh, where they are today are fairly cheap. And I think there is going to be some measures of stability uh, from the government, especially in terms of uh, the housing market as well as consumer confidence. So all in, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of value in China at the moment. And uh, in the short term, I do expect a bounce. Are we seeing any opportunities, do we think, for investors uh, in China in its current state? Yeah, you know, um, like I said, you know, there is a lot of value. Um, there is a lot of opportunities out there. Um, one has to look beyond just the uh, geopolitical risk, as I say, and, uh, and, and take a long term view from this. Because, uh, in fact, you know, China has been on a downtrend for the last, what, um, almost uh, three or four years now. And uh, we are doing. We are seeing some uh, pockets opportunities, especially in in the tech sector, in some of the consumer discretionary sector, as well as uh, in terms of some of the automotive automotive sectors as well. It's been down, so it's got to come up soon. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know um, there's a lot of value out there, and I think uh, you know there is going to be some opportunities here. Andrew, are there particular sectors in in China that you're looking at at the moment? Well, I think, as Patrick said, I mean, you've got to look at the sectors where China is dominating, and obviously EVs is, is certainly key to that, and the batteries, the rare earths, those sort of uh, supply chains, are it's, it's dominating uh, solar as well. And you know that it wants to build it up its tech industry, so that's very much in line with government policy. And I think that's something you're increasingly seeing from investors. It's not just investing, but making sure that you're investing that's in line with the government policy. 
There's an interesting story out this morning. We mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that uh, Indonesia and the US are talking about uh, critical minerals. Uh, presumably that is to diversify away from, from China. Andrew? Well, I think actually it's, it's because Indonesia wants to reap the benefits of its nickel deposits. Um, it's, you know, it banned their exports so that it could build up a refining industry. It's currently had problems with licenses and, uh, you know, misallocation and fraud taking place there. So it's looking to try and expand that and take advantage of the fact that people are looking at things like nickel and cobalt uh, for the batteries that go into the EVs. Um, Patrick, you know, are you looking at uh, some of the stories involving other countries across Asia at the moment? Are you following Southeast Asia, for instance, or, or Japan? Well, what's the outlook in in some of the other parts of Asia? Yeah, um, you know, we're very, you know, obviously we are very constructive on on the Southeast Asian countries. Um, you know, up until October, Southeast Asia was doing fairly well until the you know all the currencies start to fall um, because of the dollar's uh, strength, right? So I think there is opportunities, for example, in Vietnam, which we like. Uh, and Indonesia as well, because you know they, that's a big uh, EV play as well as consumer discretionary play, and I think also in India itself, where you know I think it's outperformed quite significantly this year. I think that will continue to do very well in light of where you know money is moving away from China and moving away. You know, thinking about China plus one kind of uh, stories out there. I mean, we keep hearing about uh, India being such a big economy that there must be some great opportunities. Are you seeing any particular sectors that uh, you know could could blossom? Yeah, I mean, we we like uh, we like the financial industry there, and we like some of the pharma uh, businesses down there. So those are long term plays. Uh, you know, India is a it's a multi year structural story, as you know. Um, a lot of people you know don't really understand it because they're always obsessed about the valuations. But if you take the valuation angle out of the view, you know there is a lot of compelling bottom up ideas out there. Uh, turning to the U.S., uh, we're seeing that Moody's uh, giving a, a bit of a downgrade. Uh, Andrew, uh, thoughts there? I mean, that follows uh, what Fitch did earlier this year on the back of the uh, the U.S. debt crisis, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've lagged the other two uh, rating agencies in, in doing this. Um, I don't think it really came as a huge surprise to people. They'd been sort of warning about it. Um, and it comes, obviously, as we, we face another government shutdown uh, in the US because, the, you know, effectively there isn't a clear majority to be able to pass any of these bills through. Uh, and that's going to be uh, an overhang. But the reality is, you know, the US isn't going to stop operating. It's, it's just going to see a hiccup. It's going to impact uh, payments to a number of the government staff. That'll hurt the, the, the local economy there. But it, it's not going to be uh, a, a, a dramatic effect that's going to stop the world economy. Are these going to go on and on, these uh, prospective shutdowns? I guess we don't really see an end to them, do we? Well, no, I mean, it, it, this goes back to the way the government actually funds itself in the US rather than allowing for an annual budget bill to go through. It, it keeps setting these debt ceilings in the hope that, uh, you know, its economy or the world economy is going to sort of draw a line and that'll be a ceiling. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, and until they change the process behind it, I think you're going to continue seeing these because it, these are, this is a political football for whichever party is not in power. And, and that's all it is, really. Lots of uh, hawkish comments from uh, Jerome Powell uh, on Thursday, Patrick, uh, about interest rates. Where where do you think we're going with interest rates at the moment? Um, our view at principle is that, uh, you know, we're probably seeing a peak in interest rates. Uh, we're probably in the peak of the cycle. Uh, so obviously uh, with that, you know, one should be thinking about fixed income as an opportunity. Uh, rates being at 16-year high, as you mentioned early on, is an opportunity for clients out there who want to take advantage of the high yields. And I think... Uh, 
I think uh, all this hawkishness is is uh, really embedded into the prices of treasuries by now. Looking ahead, um, you know, we're almost at the end of 2023, unbelievably. Yeah. Uh, where, where do you see 2024? What, what's, what's the outlook, Patrick? Um, I'm a bit more sanguine between um, the both asset classes in terms of uh, equities and fixed income. Um, like I said, you know, I'm way off the view that, you know, fixed income has a lot of uh, value out there. Uh, so I think the preference uh, between equity and fixed income will be naturally born fixed income first. But within Asia, sorry, within equity itself, you know, there's huge amounts of value in Asia, uh, particularly in China, as I mentioned on, as well as in Southeast Asia. So I think if you believe what we believe that there's going to peak in rates, dollar is potentially also a bit overbought. So I think the opportunities of out of non-dollar assets are there. Andrew, fixed income, that's an opportunity that you agree with Patrick? Yes, I think very much so. I mean, I think, you know, Powell is going to continue to say higher for longer because every time he, he doesn't say that, then the, the, then the market assumes he's going to cut rates and uh, <laughs> acts accordingly, which rather undermines his right. argument. So he's not going to talk about cutting. You've also got the US election. The, the Fed doesn't like cutting rates in the, in the run-up to an election, so that leaves them only a small opportunity for cutting rates at the beginning of the year. Uh, and hence that means that fixed income is going to, you know, offer... Um, very good opportunities next year and it'll really be a matter of where you pick duration uh, in, in, into picking this up as the short end uh, starts to move lower. So if we get through the first few months and interest rates don't change, we could, you're saying, see interest rates maybe staying there for a, a year or so? Well, certainly until the election's over, um, and that's November. So, yeah, there's a, the chance that they would cut them in the end. But, I mean, they've said they're going to be data dependent, that they don't want the markets to assume that rates are coming down because they're trying to squeeze inflation out of the equation as far as they can. Now, whether their 2% target is actually achievable or whether it's going to be 3%, it's difficult to tell at this stage. But you know that's their stated objective and i don't think they're going to vary from that in terms of some of the other trends uh, patrick will esg do you think become uh, an even bigger issue with uh, climate records uh, being broken all over the globe uh, this year yeah i mean th that's going to be a ongoing uh, a long term trend right i mean climate change is not going to go away uh, we still have to you know think about you know all the uh, carbon emissions that's coming out and all the commitments by all the governments globally so i think the trend towards uh, ESG is going to continue. I think in Asia itself, that's obviously picking up uh, quite substantially. Uh, on you know what I'm hearing in, on on the demand side from retail investors, I think that's essentially moving towards that, especially in the private banking side. Um, Andrew, just in closing, uh, Japan under focus again uh, this week, uh, particularly uh, Japanese GDP. And there is some talk uh, that uh, Japan is going to see a fallback there. Well, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that uh, Japan's actually looking quite an interesting market, uh, and especially as China is closing down to a lot of investors, not, as Patrick was saying, not because there aren't opportunities there, but because there's political risk, uh, which a lot of investors are uh, shying away from. Um, the reality is that, you know, China's going to change its interest rate policy. That's been clear. It's going to happen over the next 12 months or so. I think it's probably going to happen earlier rather than later. Uh, and that will provide opportunities. And, and there's very good benefit in the, in the cheap yen at the moment. So, again, that's adding to reasons for people looking back at uh, Japan first time for many years. Patrick, it's out of Southeast Asia, but you take a look at uh, Japan, at least from the corner of your eye. Uh, I'm not a specialist in Japan, but I do agree that, you know, um, outside of China, uh, Japan stands out quite substantially because the yen is very, very cheap. 
Well, thank you very much, both of you, for uh, joining us this morning on Money Talk. Patrick Chang is Chief Investment Officer, Equities Southeast Asia at Principal Asset Management. And Andrew Sullivan is the founder of Asian Market Sense.